What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TamanBaseballFan.com. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really have a whole lot to talk about, really, as far as a topic goes. Um, actually, let me try to turn off my phone or turn it off and see what happens here. Hang on. Okay, so I guess we're still uh, still rolling. So I got my new headset on, uh, and uh, it feels kind of strange, or it sounds kind of strange, because I'm not really kind of I'm really kind of in my head as I'm talking here. But uh, it's got a nice little uh, microphone, so as I'm walking in the freezing cold tonight, uh, I don't have to hold my phone up to my uh, mouth like a dope. So uh, anyway, <laughs> able to walk and uh, and talk a little more naturally, I guess. So we'll see how this goes. But anyways, um, yeah, guys, like there's like I said, there's not really a specific topic uh, that I wanted to talk about, other than just uh, kind of some things I've been. Uh, uh, thinking about and some things have been happening over here uh, in the uh, world of baseball cards and, and something that's been kind of fun for me is uh, is my uh, uh, work life I guess kind of uh, intersected with my hobby life and I'll tell you a little more about that uh, and I'm going to have this guy on uh, the show like probably I would assume probably within this next week here um, or so but anyways Guy's name's Chris. Uh, he was a uh, big-time super collector. And I'll tell you kind of what he was doing. He did something like really fantastic with his collection. So what he would do is he would take like a high-end uh, baseball card of like Babe Ruth or Mickey Mantle or somebody like that, and he would end up uh, uh, pairing them with a McFarlane. Uh, statue of that player and he would actually uh, uh, display them in his office or wherever it was it was very high-end very classy looking and I always loved that I remember looking at it for the first time like he would have one that was even like uh, Dennis Eckersley and Raleigh fingers that were together and the reason why those two McFarlane figures were together was because um, he had a dual uh, signature card and uh, just tied it in so nicely. And I feel like ever since I saw his setup, like about, oh, I don't know, maybe three, four, five years ago, um, I feel like uh, uh, subliminally I wanted to always consider doing something like that, whether it be tie in my cards with uh, McFarland or just pairing my vintage with. Uh, with some high-end newer cards, uh, and uh, either way, fantastic idea. It's it just like a, is really is really beautifully done. So, uh, Chris is his name, if I didn't say that yet, and uh, he was actually featured in uh, uh, his he and his collection rather featured in Beckett Magazine. So he is a uh, fellow former Beckett alumni, I guess, <laughs> uh, with me being uh, being in Beckett as well, uh, but. Uh, he reached out to me a number of years ago. He saw some of the custom pieces that I was doing, and uh, he said, Hey, Tanner, uh, I'd love to be able to have you uh, create some pieces for my collection. It's like, Okay, well, what would you like to do? He's like, Well, I've got a, uh, a signature of Ted Williams, as well as like a few uh, cards with like patch pieces and bats, and same with Jackie Robinson. Roger Maris, Mickey Mantle, uh, really cool stuff. I'd like you to create some jumbos. Okay, sure. So I created them, and ah, 
I love them. I love them when they come out. But anyways, I send them to him. He's like, oh man, these are beautiful. And uh, sure enough, he goes, uh, my pieces go on his uh, wall of fame, so to speak, paired with like some McFarlane's and uh, you know, just beautiful, beautiful setup. And so it was nice to be able to see my work displayed like that. But uh, anyway, so uh, a few years later, uh, he reaches out to me and uh, he says, hey, Tanner, just want to let you know, uh, as a heads up, um, I ended up selling my entire collection, uh, except for your pieces. And so that's number one, that's, you know, very flattering to hear. Uh, but number two, I was like, oh, wow, that's great. But like, why did you sell? Like, <laughs> what's going on? And uh, he told me, well, the reason why uh, is because uh, I'm actually starting a venture, uh, a new little invention uh, called the hands-free popcorn bucket. Now, what that is, is basically it's for uh, theaters and stadiums and that sort of thing where uh the guest of the theater stadium or wherever it is um, doesn't have to hold on to the popcorn uh, bag or bucket in their lap. It's actually a bucket where the bottom of it is the size of the cup holder. It's one of those, uh, why didn't I think of that inventions? You know, because it's not like overly, it's not like rocket science or anything like that, but it's a, such a fantastic idea. And uh, I loved hearing about it. And so, I guess he uh, tried out on Shark Tank a few times or something. And, uh, you know, I don't know, but it's a pretty fantastic idea. So, anyways, fast forward to probably, I don't know, probably about a month ago, a month and a half ago or so. He ended up uh, finding out that uh, I build websites for a living. I've been doing websites for about 20 years now. And uh, I'm just kind of, just as an aside, kind of tell you where I, where my head's at professionally. So uh, I think with any profession, if you've been in it long enough, there's just sometimes you'll hit a lull. Like, ah, this is boring. Ah, I don't really know about this anymore. Uh, so I hit that a few times, I think. And then all of a sudden, like not too terribly long ago, I mean, y'all, I've got like the greatest programmers and designers that do stuff for me. I mean, it's, they're, they're fantastic. Um, but for me, it was just kind of getting to be more like a job or a duty. Whereas when I started, I was like hyper passionate about it. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, gosh, I mean, <laughs> I was like uh, 19, 20 years old. And I kind of had to be passionate about this, right, in order for it to to work. But then uh, word of mouth grew. I, I never really had to do any advertising or anything like that. Just people found out about my service and the work that I, that I uh, uh, provided and, you know, people just fell in love. So uh, it just kind of got me to where I am today. Uh, and so anyways, uh, in spite of all that, it was just more of a, it got to be more of a comfortable, uh, not challenging thing. And so recently, uh, what's happened over the past few or several months is I've had a definitely a, a, a perspective changer. Um, and so uh, what that looked like for me was that my passion in life isn't necessarily to do websites. It's to help other people. And whether that be in ministry or for businesses, um, you know, my, my passion and desire is to help them. And the way that I can do it, the vehicle 
that I can use from a professional perspective is building websites. And so that gave me a whole fresh set of eyes, a new fresh set of eyes to be able to look at work and and just a brand new perspective. So kind of got that fire in me again to, uh, uh, you know, to really kind of just knock all these projects out of the park. And so come back to Chris with uh, with his uh, his website. Uh, he said, you know, I, I noticed that you do websites, or I heard that you just, uh, on Twitter, that you do websites. I would love for you to take a look at mine. Uh, he's like, okay, sure. So I took a look, and, you know, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, you know, there's a lot of websites out there. I just was, uh, uh, had a client uh, call me the other day, and he showed me a, a website, and he uh, said, well, what do you think about about this? Can you do something with it? And the copyright was like 2008, and he said he thinks it's been up there since 2006. I go, wow, that's insane. I, I told him uh, straight up, I said, this is probably the oldest website I've seen all week, um, which is kind of fun uh, and funny because uh, web technology has changed so drastically over the past couple of years, um, you know, let alone the uh, past decade plus. So anyways, I, uh, I get on uh, chat with Chris and I, I told him what my recommendations for a website are. Uh, you know, a few things I said, you know, look, uh, people, first of all, uh, you want to be completely hundred percent consumer centric with your website. Uh, people don't want to go to your website and find out about like the building that you're in or that you've been in business for X number of years. They just don't care. What they care about is what you can do for them. And so in order to build a worthy website, that's what it has to be about. It has to be 100% consumer, uh, consumer-centric. So the next thing uh, I told them is just a few other tips. Like uh, as, a, as a web surfer, if you still call them surfers, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why I even said that. <laughs> I don't think I've used that term in the past 20 years. But uh, as, uh, as somebody, as a web browser, somebody that browses the web, I guess you could say, uh, when we go to a website, our eyes move in a Z formation. So what that means is typically upper left, you want your logo, upper right, you want your call to action and your phone number. Uh, and then down in the middle above the fold, you want to have a nice descript uh, uh, sentence or so of what you do or how you can help along with another call to action. So th- there are other things about that as well, uh, as far as tips go. I told him, I said, you know, look, you can bring this to another web developer or I could do it for you uh, and build it. So he goes, you know what, what you're saying sounds great. Let's hire you. So uh, he hires me and I build the website for uh, for him, which uh, if you're on a computer right, right now, you can check. It's uh, www.handsfreepopcornbucket.com. There's not a whole lot of text there and there's a reason for that. Nobody... And I mean almost nobody, when they're looking for a service uh, or product, uh, reads a whole lot of text these days. We, uh, as browsers, what we do is we, uh, we skim headlines. And uh, so that's kind of uh, something that you need to take into consideration as well. So uh, we just launched, uh, I believe a day or two ago, and uh, gotten some really good feedback. And uh, very much so looking forward to hearing the difference that it makes for him. Uh, so anyways, it's kind of fun because he was a fellow collector 
and one that commissioned me to do work for him. And then years later, he comes back and has me build a website for him. So uh, I know it, probably a lot of you know me either as a writer, a Canseco uh, super collector, uh, or a custom card creator. So uh, the, being a custom card creator obviously relies heavily on graphical skills. And so uh, if you didn't know, that's probably how, uh, how I came to be uh, as far as a custom card creator goes is, uh, is just being a, a web developer, web designer, somebody who's been doing this uh, as a profession, a black belt in, uh, in Photoshop, so to speak. <laughs> um, that's why. So uh, anyways, y'all check out his website. Again, it's handsfreepopcornbucket.com. And by the way, as a little bit of a plug for myself, uh, if you need a website or have anybody else out there that you know of that needs a website, let me know. I'd love to uh, take a look and, and hey, just like I did for Chris, I am more than happy to uh, audit your website, even if it's uh, for free, just to help you out and give you some pointers. Um, it'll be my hope, of course, that you hire me afterwards, but if not, that's okay. Um, it's mainly about help to begin with. And of course, the end game is hopefully that I uh, land a project with you. But uh, if it's not meant to be, if it's not a good fit, then it's not a good fit. Um, and if you feel like you can do the stuff yourself, then you know by all means take my advice and uh, uh, go forward with it on your own. So, anyways, that was the first thing. It's kind of fun. I've written an article about it, uh, showing some pictures of my work, and it'll probably be posted. Maybe tomorrow or Monday. Weekends are very difficult for me to do stuff on the computer because I'm with my family. Uh, but anyways, it's uh, it's very enjoyable uh, work for me. And like I said, just kind of let me give you a, a before and after. So if I had a, a client telling me to do this, that, and the other on a website, it was just kind of like a, you know, okay, you know, pitch it over to the to my programmer. Hey, take care of this. And now... It's, uh, you know, the last several months, it's been a lot better because I've been able to, you know, literally kind of critically think again with people and say, okay, what can we do to make sure that we turn your browsers into buyers? And uh, that's the name of the game, turn your browsers into buyers. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what my hope is for any website that I touch. So uh, the next thing uh, that I have on, on uh tap to talk about tonight is uh, just a few uh, few threads I saw online and uh, it was over at Net54 uh, somebody asked what is your Mount Rushmore of your collection and just kind of as a as a funny callback to the first or second podcast I think I was trying to uh, remember what the name of, uh, of Mount Rushmore was and just couldn't do it <laughs> I don't know what was going on uh, but anyway, so they asked, what is your Mount Rushmore of baseball cards? And uh, I thought this was a pretty tremendous, fantastic uh, question. Uh, I love whenever I get on forums or Facebook groups or Twitter, when somebody uh, posts a thought-provoking question that kind of forces me and others to look deep into our collections and maybe share uh, what we have. So that was fun um, because it's always a tad bit stressful uh, to be able to, to um, really kind of pare down everything and say, okay, what's my four favorite cards? And so 
what I did was I looked at the vintage uh, stuff and I decided on uh, uh, going with, uh, and by the way, I told everybody, I said, okay, so here's my four for my Mount Rushmore uh, of, of vintage stuff. Uh, but it was really hard uh, to go with these and I'm still kind of second guessing myself on some of the cards. But, <laughs> but anyway, so the four that I have uh, that I put as my vintage uh, Mount Rushmore would be the uh, 1919 W514 Julius uh, Joe Jackson, uh, the 1910 E90-2 Honest Wagner, the one that I call the Candy Wagner. Uh, then there was, uh, let's see, what else? <sighs> Gosh, you know, that's, uh, that's how I'm so like... Uh, torn is I don't even remember really what the third one was. It was uh, oh that's right, <laughs> that's kind of stupid. Uh, 1952 tops mantle, uh, and then the fourth one is uh, is my uh, T3 Turkey Red Cob, and uh, I adore those cards. And uh, you know one other thing that's kind of interesting to me is uh, uh, you know by the way I'll finish that my thought later. But uh, uh, I said at the end of it I said now. Uh, I didn't include my Conseco cards because I don't think anyone wants to see uh, my Mount Rushmore of Conseco collection. <laughs> but then again, this is coming just off the heels of uh, finishing up my uh, my uh, three-episode video series of my Conseco collection. And uh, man, it's so funny. Like I even even after doing all this and, and uh, constructing and crafting a uh, an article around these three videos, I just take a step back and I look and I go, <laughs> who on earth is going to watch all this? This is like the runtime of Mission Impossible. Like it's a little over an hour and 45 minutes when you add up all of them together. But interestingly enough, I have people saying that they watched the whole thing and loved it. Uh, but it's kind of, kind of fun to hear that. But you know, gosh, I couldn't imagine even going, uh, watching my own self uh, after that for, <laughs> for an hour, 45 minutes. It was fun. It was something I really wanted to do, like just to document and to be able to have out there. Um, so I was really excited about doing it. I love doing that stuff for some reason, um, even if nobody watches. But uh, it looks like I think we're probably total about the, for all three videos, probably around viewership of... I think 850 or so last time I checked. So, and the beauty of it is that the more I share it and the more I tell people about it, the higher those numbers will go. Not really sure why I care all that much anyway <laughs> about it, but uh, it is kind of fun uh, to know that's out there. And I love the compliments. It's so fun to be able to hear feedback from my collection. Uh, so, by the way, my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Tame Baseball Fan, if you want to check it out. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, just had a heck of a time. Uh, fun, fun, fun time uh, putting everything together. So uh, somebody wrote, <laughs> after I put my uh, Mount Rushmore picture up there on Net54, they goes, okay, I'll bite. What would your Conseco Mount Rushmore be? And, and y'all, like, I want to be honest with you, I specifically uh, and intentionally did not pare it down to four because I would have probably been going back and forth in my brain for hours and hours to uh, just pare them down to four. Shoot, I was having a hard time uh, paring it down to 10. So what I did is I posted three pictures. 
said, okay, first picture is my Mount Rushmore of uh, junk wax era prototypes. Uh, and uh, the, uh, so that included the 86 Donner's white letters uh, highlight. It's a, a prototype that's just a super rare, it's Kinseko's rarest uh, rookie. The 88 tops cloth test, and I, I've told you all about some of these before. Uh, this is a test that Tops was uh, considering running uh, for market, and only 50 or so sheets made it. The sheets said do not sell or something like that on, on the sheets themselves. Uh, some survived or cut up and made it to the uh, secondary market. I've only seen about three or four uh, the Conseco. Conseco's with McGuire in that, by the way. Uh, the 89 uh, Donruss and Leaf Blue Chips and the 90 Donruss Aqueous. So those were my, uh, that was like my Junk Wax era uh, Mount Rushmore. And it's so funny because like when you show those cards to those that don't know any better, they look like they could grant, you know, total up to be a grand total of like 40 cents. <laughs> When in actuality, they're, uh, <laughs> they, uh, they blow away. Every single one of those cards will blow away a uh, regular one of one uh, of uh, Kinseiko nowadays. So kind of funny. Uh, the second quote-unquote Mount Rushmore was of the 90s uh, inserts, prototypes, and parallels. And I don't remember exactly all of them. I'll try to go through them quickly. Yeah, let me check my phone, make sure this is still uh, recording here. Okay, yeah, looks like we're still good. Um, Anyway, so we have the uh, 96 Lux Certified Mirror Gold. Uh, that's my precious uh, 97 uh, Pinnacle Totally Certified Platinum Gold prototype. Uh, the 98 Crusade Green Executive prototype. The 98 Essential Credentials Future and Now cards. Two separate cards. Uh, 99 Fleer Brilliance 24K. Uh, it's got a little bit of gold in it. Uh, it's numbered to 24. Uh, what else? There's a 1999 uh, Ultimate Victory Gold, one of one missing serial number. I think that was all for those. I think for a second. I feel like I might be missing one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 98 uh, Pinnacle Certified uh, Mirror Red uh, prototype. So, uh, you know, I if you take a look at them, uh, I posted them on Twitter at TamMBBFan earlier today. So check out these pictures, and I think you'll probably understand how I couldn't have uh, left any of these out. So the last picture, uh, the last Mount Rushmore for Conseco cards uh, that I posted was uh, the newer high-end stuff. I had the knob, the barrel, the uh, elephant patch leaf card, the... Uh, 25th anniversary uh, patch uh, card from Dynasty that I have. The Super Fractor that's in the A4 top style. And last but not least, the uh, uh, what was it? it's, uh, Sweet Swatch Classic, I think is what it's called. It's an oversized card with a jumbo uh, 1989 World Series game use patch. And uh, yeah, that, those were, man, you see, it's, it's hard for me to pick like... Uh, I don't know, an A9 Donner's or Leaf blue chip uh, over a knob or barrel, but it's also hard for me to pick a, a knob or barrel over an A9 Donner's or Leaf blue chip. So, 
it's very difficult, uh, you know, to for me to pare it down. And I almost uh, cringe a little bit when somebody asks me, <laughs> especially when it comes to the Kinsego cards. I'm a little more uh, matter-of-factly when it comes to the vintage stuff and anything else. But uh, when it comes to those Kinsego cards, I don't know. It's just something completely different. I guess it's uh, I have more uh, heart and soul into them, I suppose. But anyway, so it was fun because I ended up taking that content and duplicating it on uh, several Facebook groups as well as Twitter. And uh, it was kind of fun hearing what people had to say. Uh, some said, oh, those 90 car 90s cards are the best. And others said, wait, oh, oh man, you have blue chips and aqueous. And you know, others simply had no clue what on earth an aqueous was or a cloth. They thought it was just like a base 88 tops card, a base 90 Donners card. Had never seen a blue chip before. Some people said, uh, you know, oh, is that in the factory sets? Did those come in the factory sets? <laughs> no, <laughs> there's probably uh, in, cards in the factory set form. Uh, there's probably two, three, four million of, uh, of those that have been created. Uh, the blue chips probably only have two, three, or four of them created. So there's a big difference. But um, I think ultimately the uh, ones that people were... Uh, probably uh more jaw dropped about was and understandably so uh especially if you're not really big in Kinseiko but you just like the the aesthetics of the cards um the uh, bat knob was the big one for people as well as the world series patch card and uh I don't know it's kind of fun to be able to like I said before hear feedback from people because it gives you also a fresh set of eyes uh to be able to look at what you have and to appreciate them even more maybe you know so like for the for me the world series patch has been kind of sitting in my hutch and i haven't really thought a whole lot about it not really wild on the design but after hearing some people saying oh my gosh that is just amazing that's incredible and it makes me take a step back and go you know what it is it really is it's so cool yeah you know i get real excited about it again <laughs> Um, and so that kind of brings me to uh, quite possibly my final point. Uh, so I've been considering uh, getting a T206 Tycob green background at some point. And so let me tell you a little bit of the history of these uh, in my mind anyways. Uh, T206 has uh, four flavors of Tycob. Has the bat on the shoulder, bat off the shoulder, green background portrait and red background portrait. Um, now, there's a guy that I know that writes articles uh, on, at Forbes magazine, and uh, he wrote an article a while ago basically saying the green background Cobb portrait is a blue chip investment. And true, it's likely the rarest of the four. Um, probably not by much, because you will see them from time to time. It's not like a one of one by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> There's a lot of them out there. Uh, and I think the red background uh, portrait is probably most plentiful. Uh, but when I look at him, it's like everybody was looking for the green background cobs, uh, especially this year, I think. Uh, this year they really broke out. And uh, uh, yeah, it's a great card. I love it. Um, but uh you know, looking at all four of them side by side, by side by side, uh, man, I love the bat off uh, version. So the bat off version just has 
a lot of color going on in the background. There's like a, a sunset or something. You can, like there's purples, there's oranges, there's greens. It's, uh, you know, just a beautiful card. So the question I had was if, if the green background cob isn't significantly rarer, uh, then why is it selling for a lot more off this? I didn't know. I shrugged my shoulders and said, well, forget that. I'm going for the bat off version. So I have that. Uh, and I love it. But what's interesting is uh, I put it in a pile and I didn't forget about it, but I just didn't really pay much attention to it, uh, to be honest with you. It was just uh, just another card and I considered uh, getting the green background cob mainly because I thought it would pair nicely with my candy Wagner with a blue background. And I considered getting a uh, an E90-1 Cy Young, which is really, really pretty card. Uh, not necessarily because of the artwork, but because of the striking red background. I thought green, red, and blue uh, backgrounds would, would go great together. Uh, but I had a fun idea and just kind of quiz everybody on social media, uh, various Facebook groups, Twitter, so on and so forth. And I asked the question along with the pictures of each one side by side, which one is your favorite Ty Cobb in the T206 set? And in every, on every single platform, uh, the answer was clear cut the bat off version, uh, the one that I have. And so the thought for me was I don't really want multiple T206 Cobbs. So if I were to go for a green background, I'd probably sell my bat off, um, but uh, after receiving that feedback, I don't know if it necessarily swayed me or not, uh, but it made me look at it again. And it gave me a fresh pair of eyes to, uh, to look at, at it and, and remember what I loved so much about it. And really, that's uh, its beauty. I mean, it is a beautiful, beautiful card. And uh, you know, I really encourage you to uh, uh, take a look uh, search on Google for the bat off version just to see what it looks like and uh, such a nice card uh, and the green background I don't know maybe I'll I'll get that at some point uh, I'd probably like to move a few cards first before I do something um, I don't know if I want to move the bat off cob though because it's just such a such a nice uh, such a nice looking card and by the way uh, it's interesting to me. I have a feeling that uh, Ty Cobb probably has more iconic cards than anyone else in that uh, in that uh, first Hall of Fame class. Uh, so in the first Hall of Fame class, I think there was, uh, let's see, I feel like it was Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, Honest Wagner, uh, Walter Johnson, and Cy Young. I feel like the, those were the first five. Um, so out of all those guys, um, like with Babe Ruth, I, I kind of almost challenge you, if you're, especially if you're not a vintage guy, um, how many playing career uh, cards of Babe Ruth can you name? Uh, I know he has a lot of them, especially once he hit the Yankees. They, uh, they started uh, making several uh, types of cards for him. Uh, but generally speaking, if somebody can say anything, they're going to probably say, well, you know, his Gowdy card or his Gowdy rookie. Uh, thing is, is uh, you know that was actually created around the end of his career, so not the beginning. So, and I don't even remember what his rookie card is. I think it's like a 
sporting life supplement or something like that. You see, I don't even know. There's, it's not like an iconic mainstream card that everybody knows about. Um, but when it comes to, uh, to, to Ty Cobb, you think about what he has. He's got the T206s. He's got the, uh, uh, the T3 Turkey Red, which is iconic. I mean, that's a, that's a piece of art. It's like a, a mini Mona Lisa, um, even though it's like significantly larger than a regular size baseball card. Uh, he's got the uh, Cracker Jack uh, Ty Cobb. He's got a, a T205. He's got the, uh, uh, the triple folder uh, with his iconic Conlon uh, photograph in the middle. I mean, so he's got all these cards, which, by the way, of course, Ty Cobb is, you know, easily, easily in the top 10 of best uh, baseball players ever. And some would even argue in the top five, three, or even the best. Um, I don't think I'm in that uh, in that camp of saying he's the best, but I would, you know, I wouldn't blink an eye uh, for anybody saying that he's in the first uh, few, first handful of uh, players, best players ever to have played. Uh, but it is interesting because, like with Hans Wagner, for instance, what do you think of? You think of the T206. What else can you think of? Like he doesn't even have another uh, T206 card. Cobb has four. Um, Wagner doesn't have a T205. He doesn't have a triple folder. Uh, now, he does have other cards. He's got the um, E90-2. He's got the E102. He's you know, got all these others. He's got a cog and chip. Uh, he's got you know, some others as well. So it's not like he doesn't have any cards uh, because he does, just as everybody else does too. But Ty Cobb, though, his cards are like iconic. And... Uh, I find that interesting because I like to have mainly one card, one special card of each player uh, that I go after, you know, for the most part. Uh, obviously, one's good, more's better, but I try to try to put a limit on myself. Well, you know, for me, I've got the uh, the triple folder, the turkey red, and the T206 bat off, and like I can't get, I can't uh, uh, bring myself to uh, moving any of them right now. <laughs> So, and here I am, uh, kind of foaming at the mouth for a green board, uh, green background. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's kind of funny how that goes. But anyways, all that to say, uh, I found it interesting that the feedback of the overall community, how it kind of moved the needle for me, so to speak, uh, to look at the card that I had again and reset my, uh, uh, recalibrate m uh, myself, I guess, and say, you know what, maybe it is good just to keep this uh, bat off for now and not worry about the green background. And that wouldn't happen had I not had access to a massive community of uh, like-minded baseball card collectors out there um, to ask. And uh, I just think that's really cool. Just really do. And uh, another thing I think that's fun is, uh, is I was very close to uh, bringing on... Uh, somebody to interview and I'm not going to name name any names uh but uh I was uh walking outside like I always do when I'm uh doing these uh, podcasts came a few seconds close of uh of having a different guest on but uh it's like hey look man I'm sorry I know that this is real short notice but you want to hop on the show and uh 
uh, he's like, hey, man, I would love to, but I've been drinking too much tonight. <laughs> so, well, hey, come on, it'll make it more fun. But uh, uh, unfortunately, he, uh, he declined, but we'll, we'll have him on uh, later at some point, too. Uh, and by the way, guys, one last thing before I wrap up tonight. Uh, if you're looking to sell your collection and you don't know exactly where to go, uh, you know, hit me up because I might actually... Uh, be interested in interviewing a few of you and fielding questions that you might have uh, on the air here, so to speak. So we can record it. Uh, we can put it out there as content for people to learn from as well. So if that's your situation, if you're looking to sell your stuff, um, hit me up, uh, tanmanbaseballfan at gmail.com uh, or on Twitter at tanmanbbfan. And uh, yeah, I mean, let's uh, let's look into possibly... Uh, doing a recording so that way I can help answer some questions that you might have. Uh, so I guess I'm going to go ahead and sign off for tonight. Uh, thank you everybody for listening and uh, please, please, please uh, like, subscribe and share this podcast. I appreciate it. Y'all have a great night.